0: Okay, if you want to make your way to your seats, we're going to get started. Ladies and gents, we got some cool things going on, everybody. So I cheated a little bit, and I went and saw the books that are being sold uh, in the classroom, and and guys, there's some pretty pretty good books out over there. So do not forget, take advantage of that, and yeah, Isaac's worked really hard to get quite a collection. There's there's a lot too. There's a lot of books over there, and we love, um, we we really are passionate about. Having a, what we call a real devotional life, an authentic devotional life where you get, you have a mind in love with God, where you read and invest in your brain to love God more with your mind. So that's pretty rad. It is wonderful to be back. It's been like, I guess, two weeks or so. We've been, I mean, or Thanksgiving. Anyone have a good Thanksgiving break last week? Yeah, cool. Lots and lots of food, lots and lots of leftovers. Praise the Lord for Thanksgiving. Um, won. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mixed reviews on that one, but that's great. Um, we're gonna we're gonna end tonight, guys, on a message that I I've been excited to share tonight. Um, this is we're gonna be in Isaiah chapter fifty. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter fifty. We're gonna investigate a um, a concept tonight that's that's not often talked about. It's a. It can be easy to miss when you're reading through scriptures, but we're going to dive into this a little bit tonight, and I, I believe the Lord's going to really encourage us. I think the Holy Spirit tonight is going to speak to some of us, and and we're just going to believe God for great things. Amen. So we're, I'm excited, and um, next week at Alpha Wars, we're just going to celebrate and have a party and eat food. We're going to dress up nice. So during finals week, we want to just relax, have a good time together. So that's what Alpha Wars is going to be next Thursday. So we will not be in here like they said. We'll be at Rock of Ages. We'll send all you guys the address on that. So we are pumped, guys. We're very blessed. Isaiah chapter 50 There's a verse we're going to read. We're just going to read one verse together. Isaiah, the prophet of Israel, is um, continually trying to preach the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel and trying to turn Israel's heart back to God. That's what the book of Isaiah is all about. And Isaiah is writing these words, and he gets to a part in the book in Isaiah chapter 50 where He starts talking about, kind of changes the topic and goes away from talking about the the children of Israel that's turned away from God. And he turns to encourage those believers who are listening to the prophet. The believers that are walking with God, who still fear the Lord. And he says, we're just going to read this and, and go on into our message for tonight. But this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. Isaiah says this. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Let's pray. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak and minister to our hearts tonight. Lord, I pray over anyone who may be walking in a season of darkness that your light would shine through and that we would see you clearly face-to-face Jesus and that we would run steadfast after you i pray that in jesus name everybody said Amen. amen so as i said isaiah is bringing up a concept here that can easily be missed when we walk through life and we walk with Jesus, when we walk with God, there are many seasons of life that we encounter. And Isaiah is talking about this in this verse, who says, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servants? He, the implication of this is clear when he's talking about those of you who fear God. So not the people who are enemies of God, not the people who have turned away from God, but those who still fear the Lord, who love God, who are chasing after God and following after God. You people he's talking about, let those who walk in darkness, who have no light, let them trust in the Lord. Now, that raises a question. How is it possible for someone to fear the Lord, to walk with God, but still walk In darkness that's what we're talking about tonight there are many stories in the Bible that reveal a a fact of life that when you walk with Jesus when you fear the Lord you will go into seasons of darkness where it feels like God is distant where it feels like he is not there there are there's seasons of your life where you are walking in darkness, and it might not be a season that was caused by some sin that you committed. Sometimes you have seasons of darkness in your life. Look at King David. Before he was even king, he was anointed as king. He, was, he slays Goliath, and King Saul makes David miserable by trying to kill him constantly keeps throwing spears at David, and David's having to retreat and run away into the caves to hide, to run for his life. David had a season of darkness he had to walk through, and it wasn't David's fault. It was other people around him that were sinning. Is this making sense? You also have all of the prophets of the Old Testament who were persecuted. For example, you have Elijah who, res- who obeyed the Lord as God and you saw, he saw fire raining down from heaven and scorched up the prophets of Baal and then, and then Jezebel threatens him and I, I'm going to come after you, I'm going to kill you and he runs away up in this high mountain and hides in a cave and he's terrified, afraid of his life. Elijah went through terrible seasons of darkness though he walked with God. Noah and his family... What did they endure? They crammed themselves in a boat full of animals, and as the rains came down and flooded the whole earth, Noah and his family had to endure the dark, smelly ark, a season of darkness, waiting for the rains to stop and the waters to subside. Guys, when you walk with God, you will go through seasons of darkness. You will go through struggles where it feels like God is distant, where it's almost as if He places you in a dark tunnel and it feels like you don't have help. it feels like you don't have the warm, tingly sensations like you do when you're in worship services anymore. you bow down on your knees to pray and seek the Lord, but you don't you, you and you don't have that feeling that 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 you usually get when you pray and seek the Lord you read those verses that that made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up but you read them again you read them again and it doesn't seem to do the thing anymore it doesn't seem to hit you like it used to guys the bible talks about how there's a season of darkness that that is simply a season that you must pass through now don't get me wrong We can place ourselves in season of darkness by our decisions. We can do that. We can turn away from the Lord. We can get into sin. We can rebel against God, and we can place ourselves in a season of darkness. We say this sometimes when you're going through loneliness, and and people really get to complaining and griping about how they don't have any friends but in chi alpha we like to think that if you want a friend in your life then you need to be a friend and that's what this is all about right if you want a friend then then maybe get up and go out and be a friend and that's how you make friends amen this is what small groups all about we actively intentionally make friends so that we can get close to jesus together right But I'm not talking about that tonight. I'm not talking about that moment when we sin and we enter ourselves into darkness. Guys, there's a time where you will enter a season of darkness because the Lord puts you in that season. Some of you here tonight are in that season. You're going through a season of darkness. And you're wondering, Lord, what happened? Why don't I get the same feelings and sensations and, and truths that, that I used to feel when I would hang out with you? It feels like you are distant, Lord. When we follow Christ, why does this happen? Why, when we're chasing after Jesus, do we experience these seasons of darkness? Now, I want to go into this because there is... There's several ways to dive into study why this happens and how we see this in Scripture. But one, one easy answer. Why does this happen to us? Why do we still go through these seasons when we're still following after Jesus? Well, one of the easy answers is this. Even though you might be walking with Jesus, we still are in a dark world, right? We still live in a world that's full of darkness and full of sin and full of selfishness and people that hate God, Right? There's even a verse in Isaiah where it says, woe to those people that are still on earth with the devil. (laughs) Like we still have to endure. The battle is not over yet. The spiritual battle and the fight is not over yet. We must still endure, endure temptations and endure trials. Now, sometimes, guys, you go through a season of darkness because people just treat you terribly. Sometimes that's the case, right? Anyone ever endure a really, really, really bad breakup? Anybody? A super ugly, nasty, bad breakup. Okay. Woe is me, Lord. I have, I have been dumped. So guys, I know what this is like. When I was in high school, I went through an awful, awful breakup. And I remember, you Ever have you ever... Experience, or have you ever heard about they they talk about this in psychology and and counseling and things like this they call it the five stages of grief you ever heard of the five stages of grief i'm going to talk to you about them tonight we've got the five stages of grief on the screen okay and the what they say these are this is kind of interesting is when you go through really traumatic grief or really traumatic things in your life you may go through the five stages of grief that go in this order. There's denial, which is like you just deny that this is happening to you. And then after that phase, you, get, you go through a phase of anger. You, get, you just get really passionate and mad. This, how could this be? How could this happen to me? And, and then there's bargaining. You start trying to make a deal to make this situation go away. You start to do everything you can to make the feeling go away. And then when that doesn't work, you just get depressed. You move to stage number four. You just get miserable and depressed. You, your head is downcast and stuff. And then um, the final stage is you finally accept it. So, guys, when I got dumped so bad in high school, this actually was shocking to me because I, I ended up stumbling across the five stages of grief on the Internet. And you know what I noticed? I hit every one of those branches on the way down, I was at the top of this tree, and then I'm I'm hitting, I, and I'm like, oh my gosh! I literally did all of these things. I, I was like, no, nah, this is this is not happening. This is this is just a phase. She's gonna do a phase. It's not real, you know. And then I got really really angry and offended. I got anger, and then I started bargaining. I'm like, well, you you know, when you go through a bad breakup, you start trying to reason with the other person. Well, and if you're if you're really in a bad place, and I mean you're really in a bad place, and you're really dependent on another person, you start saying really stupid things like this. Look, I can be a different person. It's okay if I'd. Change this about me, then then we can still be together, right? We call that simping, right? Yeah, that's right. That's called bargaining. That's that third branch when you're falling out of that tree, okay? And then when that doesn't work, you get depressed. You're like, your friends call you and they want to hang. Hey, come and hang out with us. Let's go. And they're trying to cheer you up. And you're like, no, I don't want to hang out. I know I haven't eaten in three days, but I'm just going to stay home and watch Schindler's List on repeat. Just leave me alone. (laughs) Just let me be miserable please right anyone know what i'm talking about yeah don't lie to me don't lie to me and then yeah after a while it starts you start to accept the reality he or she is not coming back (laughs) right (laughs) yes five stages of grief here's Here's something I want to lay down with you tonight. I want to tell you something that's wonderful about walking with God. When you walk with Jesus, you can skip all four of those first steps. And it's true. Now, what happens when you get now, now I'm not minimizing grief here. You know, when, when you're when you experience a death in the family, guys, that's a real, real traumatic difficulty. But when it specifically comes specifically comes to the dating thing. When we start to love something too much, when we start to get dependent on another person way too much, where you actually, they start to replace God in your heart, you see, you, you very violently go through the five stages of grief. And it makes it worse. It makes it harder to accept it because you're dependent on that person. But here's the beautiful thing about walking with Jesus. When you are dependent fully on God... When you're dependent on Jesus, someone can kick your heart around on the floor and stomp on your feelings and stomp on your heart, and it's still, it's going to sting, it's going to hurt, but it's not going to render you immobile, because your, your whole personality and character is dependent on Christ, who never fails you. If you walk with Jesus, you can avoid the traumatic, young, immature drama of depending on someone else in an unhealthy way. Are y'all following me tonight? Yeah. We need to trust in Jesus who never fails us. I lo- if you went to Breakaway, I loved the, the preacher Jen Schaefer who preached that incredible sermon that second night that she challenged all of us to choose hope, that, that hope is something that you latch on to. Hope is a, is a mental choice that you make that you choose to trust God And when you go through seasons of darkness where it doesn't feel like God is near to you, you can cling to hope. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 43, verse 5. If you want to write it down, this is what it says. Why, my soul, are you downcast? This is what the psalm writer says. Why so disturbed from within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. What's the psalm writer doing? The psalm writer is getting up out of bed, brushing his teeth in the mirror and standing in the bathroom, stares himself in the mirror and says, Self, why are you so depressed? Basically, the psalm writer is preaching to himself. And he's saying, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Put your hope in God. Trust in the Lord your God, the especially the Psalms, guys, it gives you permission to preach to yourself. Stand up and look in that mirror, and if your heart is depressed when you know it really shouldn't be depressed, and you're kind of depressed when, when really your life is very blessed, you have no reasons to be downcast and depressed all the time, you can stare yourself in the mirror and you can cling to hope and you say choose i'm going to choose hope today i'm going to choose to put my gratitude in jesus christ you can choose hope you can choose to cling to god in that time and this is an encouragement for us tonight that we don't have to just sit around and mope when we're feeling depressed we don't have to choose to watch that depressing show over and over because it just kind of scratches that itch sometimes. You can get yourself off the floor. You can stare yourself in the mirror and you say, hope thou in God. And you can, you have to have this attitude, guys, where you, you fight and you wrestle in prayer where sometimes, and, and guys, you may not have someone in your life that's encouraging you. Do you have the ability to encourage yourself in Christ when no one else is around you to do it? Or do we sit down in, our, in a lazy stupor of depression and misery and we get bitter at the world because we're waiting for the knock at the door for someone to come in and encourage us? Did you know that you don't have to wait? You can pick up this book. You can read the Psalms. And you can stare at yourself in the mirror and say, hope thou in God. Oh, my soul, get yourself off the floor and trust in God. Guys, we go through seasons of darkness because we live in a fallen world. And guess what? You're going to go through seasons where you're going to endure hardship. You're going to endure the bad breakup. Some of us need to endure the bad breakup because it's just good for your soul. It's good to realize that you need to be dependent on God rather than another person. I'm not trying to, not, I mean, not trying to say relationships are bad. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. But when we take it way too far. There are seasons of darkness, guys, and we need to learn to trust God. So I'm going to give an illustration tonight. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a little experiment. And I want to turn all the lights off in the room. We're going to talk about walking through a season of darkness and I'm going to, so I, I'm going to, no no one, like, stand up and freak out. We're, no one's going anywhere. I'm I'm here. I'm with you. What we're going to do is we're going to turn off these lights on here. We've got a blank slide on the screen. And I want to see how dark, it's not going to be totally dark, but I want to see how absolutely pitch black we can get in this room. Okay, and on my cue, Isaac's going to uh, turn off the lights for us. There is a fascinating thing in science that you can study that is that's on this amazing i was a swimmer in high school so i love the water i I love the ocean and i i I love like scuba diving brian and i would scuba dive together and and when we were in college and um, there's an incredible thing. So, I actually, one of those jobs. Anyone uh, want to be a, a marine biologist? Anyone like want to? Yeah, marine. Bi- okay, this is awesome. This is for you. This is cool. So, it's got to be one of the coolest things to to you've seen on on maybe like like uh, TV or anything where you can climb. These marine biologists climb in these little submarines, and then they swim. They they basically drive them way deep, like 3,000 feet under the ocean surface. And you, if you've seen it, you kind of know what I'm talking about. And it's really cool because they go so far deep on the water where it gets totally and completely black. The sunlight doesn't reach that far down. So all of us, for the sake of illustration, we are all in this little pod together, and we're going to swim as deep as we can go under the ocean, and it goes completely black. Go ahead, Isaac. So let's see we've got I'll turn my screen off. So let your eyes adjust. This is exactly a part of the plan. So it's amazing what these scientists do when they when they go this far underwater. you don't see any light, you can't see anything at all. It's total complete darkness blackness, and they've got these lights on these little you know submarine mini submarine pods, and uh, oh no, there it is so what What happens when they go that far down they there's there's no wildlife that can really survive, so there's only very specific creatures that survive that deep underwater now here's what's crazy: these little creatures have adapted and evolved to where they're they're basically translucent. you can see through them they're like little jellyfish creatures. but what's crazy is when these scientists go this far underwater they can't see anything, but what they have to do in order to see these creatures, they have to turn the lights off on their little submarine to where it's, now, I don't know about you, but that'd be terrifying. (laughs) It'd be terrifying to be 3,000 feet under the ocean, and then to turn the lights off and see utter blackness, and you just know that if you have one leak in the thing, you're dead, right? But you're in there, but once you turn the lights off on this little submarine, do you know what you see? I'll put it up on the screen here. This is what you see. This is what we call bioluminescence. These are these little jellyfish that glow, a translucent glow, this blue color. And there's also other fish that you can see their skeletal system and you can see electricity of these lights going back and forth in their, in their nervous system. It's like the craziest thing. But, but you, you see this stuff. And, but here's the point. You will not see that. Unless you descend into the darkness, you're not going to see this incredible sight, this beauty. Like they don't even really understand why this happens. There's no sunlight down there to charge. You know, like I don't know if it's like a glow in the dark sticker you stick on your wall. I don't know how this works, but there's no light. But these creatures light up like this, and this is what you can see when w- if you were down there. There's another slide. The next slide you see on the on the ocean shore. This is bioluminescence. These are these, This is the same concept of this algae that glows. This is a, a camera lens that is a, like a long shutter, and it's showing the ocean glow with this, with this incredible light. And here's the point. When, you, when you're never going to see this incredible sight, this incredible miracle of God, the, the beautiful creation that he's got, that's that's we don't even understand the bottom of the ocean we've never been there we have no idea really what's what what else we're going to find there but unless you're willing to descend into the darkness and shut the lights off you're never going to see this guys it's incredible the things that you discover in the dark it's unbelievable the types of the lessons you learn, and the types of incredible stuff that happens when you enter into the darkness. What I'm trying to explain to us tonight, in a second we'll have the lights turned back on, is that when you go through loneliness, guys, when you go through this moment, season of darkness of your soul, you have to remember this, that loneliness, when you feel that, that is your soul telling you there's more of God to be had. Loneliness is telling you, it's telling your soul that there's more of God to be had. There is a deeper depth to his character that you can discover. But you know what? You're never going to find it unless you're willing to endure the dark. Are you following me tonight, Chi Alpha? There are lessons you will only learn about God's character after you enter into the dark. Now, here's the cool thing is after you enter a season of total darkness your eyes start to adjust right right you can see clearly in the dark it's actually kind of bright you can see everyone now i can see all your faces now but when isaac turns the lights back on right now right you get that like ah whenever like mom turns the light off on in the room you're like ah turn it off turn it off it's terrible it's burning me right i'm melting (laughs) what happens it's bright it hurts your eyes and your eyes have to adjust a story. Joseph in the Old Testament, you see, Joseph goes through a terrible season of darkness. What happens to Joseph in the Old Testament? His brothers betrayed him. They throwed him in a pit, right? They sold him to merchants. He gets in the, into a, um, Pharaoh's house, and then he's he's basically betrayed and made to seem like he's some schemer who's trying to sleep with uh the the person's wife and, he, and so, which was false he wasn't going to do it he was you know all this stuff he runs away from him, and then what happens they throw joseph in jail he did nothing wrong and joseph enters this trial where he has entered a season of darkness where he has to trust god in the dark and the psalm writer in psalm 105 says an incredible thing about Joseph. Speaking about him, they says, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. And expositors kind of expand that out, which says that it basically is is implying that his soul entered into the iron. He he was shackled in iron, his wrists and his feet, and his soul had entered the iron, which is an, an incredible sentence that implies that in that darkness, in that season he endured, he was strengthened more than he ever would have thought he would have been. He grew tougher. He grew, he grew skin so thick and tough that he could endure anything. You see, here's the million-dollar question. Would Joseph ever, would he have ever been able to trust God the way he did if he never went to that prison? He never would have become who he became had he not entered that season of darkness. Are y'all with me tonight, Kai Alpha? Guys, there are priceless things God wants to show you, but you're never going to see that depth to his character unless you embrace and endure that season of darkness. You know, there's someone else that endured the ultimate season of darkness, and that is, you can guess, is Jesus Jesus, the loneliest man of all time. Have you ever thought about that? Guys, think about it. Imagine being in Jesus' shoes. He is the son of the living God. He is the person who is easiest to understand, yet no one understood him. Can you imagine how lonely it would be to be on earth and to... He's revealing himself and the entire world misunderstand who he was. You understand how lonely that feels? Have you ever been misunderstood in your life? You know how lonely that feels when when your intentions and your heart meant something else, but everyone assumed you were doing something bad or something worse? It's a lonely feeling. Imagine how Jesus felt when he was misunderstood, even by his closest friends. You understand there's a loneliness of the crowd. You understand, you can sit in this room, you can be in small group, you can be in fellowship, you can be here sitting in this room tonight, you can have all these amazing great friends sitting around you, but you can still be lonely. You can still be struggling something in here that that doesn't seem like no one else understands. Jesus was surrounded by thousands of people, but still no one understood him. There is a loneliness of the crowd. You can feel alone even when technically you're not. Imagine the loneliness of grief. Whenever you endure real grief and real hardship, imagine the grief that Jesus felt when the world rejected him. You, we get a glimpse of his grief when he's in the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus says, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Jesus says Jesus above all others understands the loneliness of grief how about the loneliness of betrayal how lonely would that feel to, to have one of your best friends one of the 12 one of the disciples to betray you and not only that to betray you with a kiss on your cheek Jesus endured the loneliness of betrayal also but nothing compares to what Jesus endured and the loneliness that he endured on the cross. There is no more lonely place on earth than Jesus' loneliness being crucified on the cross. The other people that were being crucified next to him, they were being crucified for crimes they committed. Jesus was sinless, perfect. He never committed any crimes. He never sinned. He never doubted his heavenly father, not even for a second. Yet he was crucified for our sins. Imagine the loneliness of the cross. Imagine how that would have felt. Sometimes, you see, God places you in a season of darkness and that season that you're enduring is you are to endure that for a very particular time reason jesus if he hadn't have endured that darkness imagine if he never accomplished the darkness of the cross if he never would have endured that then salvation for all of us never would have been accomplished he endured that darkness for you and for me jesus says this incredible thing to his disciples it actually almost it's almost impossible to understand he says to his disciples, it will be better for you that I leave. It'll be better for you. And he's talking about, he's like, I'm going to send the comforter, the advocate on my behalf. And he's going to testify to me. But trust me, guys, it's going to be better that I leave. And you imagine after Jesus ascends, the disciples, you, there's the verse, they're staring at the sky. And they're just like, he's gone. And the angel's like, what are you looking up there for? Like, he's alive. He's risen. And and so, so this is a, a fascinating concept because Jesus says it's going to be better for you that I leave. What does that mean? When Jesus ascends and he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father, we as the church of Jesus Christ, we are enduring a season of darkness right now because our Savior is not here on the earth. He's in heaven right now. He's waiting for the right time. Are y'all following me? There's a season of darkness because we are longing, longingly waiting for our Savior to return. And Jesus, of course, is, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. And while I'm away, you're going to learn to trust me on a whole new level. Why is Jesus ascending and there's a season of darkness? Because the church is being refined in this season of darkness to trust our God in the dark. Jesus did not retreat from his loneliness. Jesus did not retreat from the cross. He did not run away from the season of darkness God put him in. He endured it. He went straight through walking towards his God, his Father, straight all the way through. What am I saying to us tonight? Is guys, your loneliness, the season of darkness you're going through, Your loneliness is not something you retreat from. It's something you pass through. You do not retreat from your loneliness. You pass through it. You get your eyes on Jesus and you walk through that season of darkness. Guys, why? Because if you run away from it, if you just try to fill that darkness or that void with something else that doesn't satisfy, you're going to miss the opportunity to see a deeper nature to God that you've never seen before. Uh, Are y'all seeing this tonight? Are y'all following me? Cuz this is huge. You you don't you don't want to miss this Kai Alpha. If you endure the season of darkness, you're going to go deeper into the ocean of God's character and love, and you will see and discover a depth to his love and a depth to his character that you would not otherwise see unless you travel into the depths. Unless you embrace that loneliness and you get your eyes on Jesus and you pass through the darkness guys there's beautiful magnificent things god wants to show you but you have to be willing to endure the darkness you got to be willing to endure the season i'm going to close with this there's an old testament verse that has absolutely blown my mind and i want to share it with you tonight is that okay I think this is going to... It's caused me to freak out, and it should cause you to freak out, too. Everybody say, freak out. Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 13 this is a very peculiar verse. Leviticus talking, going through the different Levitical laws. Trust me, Leviticus is one of the more boring chapters, you'll ever, the boring books you'll ever read. But if you really dig down deep, it's going gonna, it's gonna to amaze you the type of things you find when you dive deep and figure out what it means here's a verse here it's explaining the high priest Aaron and some of the instructions that he has to fulfill when he goes into the temple the holy of holies here's Aaron he's gone into the temple the holy of holies and then there's the ark of the covenant the cherubim sitting on the mercy seat that's the lid of the box and underneath the lid of the box there's the 10 commandments the tablets that God wrote that Moses walked down the mountain that's the ark of the covenant and what he's doing, this is what the verse says in Leviticus sixteen thirteen It says, he is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the tablets of the covenant law so that he will not die. Now, what does that mean? This is crazy. The high priest was to get this little device, that little jar, and he would fill it with hot coals, and he would put incense on the fire, and it would start to make all of this smoke. Now, behind him, you see this curtain. Now, that's actually a big deal. That's what they call the veil. There's the veil that separates the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, from the rest of the temple, and then the people that are outside. And the priest had to follow very specific orders to go in there. Because of this fact, the holiness of God cannot be near sinful things or sinful people. It's just a scientific fact in the spirit world, okay? You just have to trust me on that. It's what the Bible teaches, okay? I mean, Moses asks him, can I see your face? And what does God say? Moses, no one can see my face and live. And so what has God done? He's placed his glory in the temple, in the holy of holies, and that's where his presence dwells. And he just put it there. That's where God's glory resides. So if anyone travels through the veil, which is this giant curtain, when you think of the veil, think of the hotel rooms with the super thick curtains that you can like— close all the way, and it blocks all the light from coming in. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like okay, I'm going to sleep till 11 a.m. today. So you're like, we you know, you, you get it totally shut, and it totally blocks all the light. That's that, That's what the veil was. It was this thick curtain that did not allow any light or anything to pass through, okay, this big, heavy thing. So when Aaron would, what he was tasked to do is he had to make this burning hot coals, and he'd put the incense on it, and he would dangle this thing from like a little jar, a little chalice thing. He would reach his hand behind the veil. So he's standing on the other side. He reaches his hand in the veil, kind of spreads the curtain across. He he looks away because if he looks in and sees the Ark of the Covenant and there's sin on him, he's dead. He can't see it. He, he has to cleanse himself before he goes in there. So what he does, and this is what God asks him to do in this verse, to place the incense inside behind that veil, and he swings it around. You see like the Catholics, how they do that? It swings back and forth. It's, it's kind of like that. And what happens is the incense fills the room to where it's an absolute cloudy mist of incense in that room to where you cannot even see the Ark of the Covenant in there. Now follow me, don't miss this. Imagine like a steam room or a sauna where it's full of steam or fog and you can't even see your hand in front of you because it's so dense. He fills this room with incense and then he is able to pass through and and get, get, get this, this room is totally pitch dark. It's not only dark, but it's also filled with incense. It's filled with this smoke. That way he's... He's protected from the glory of God so the glory won't destroy him. And he can do the animal sacrifice for himself to cleanse himself of his sin. And then he goes back out and comes back in and he does the same process for the rest of the nation of Israel. That's the symbol of the high priest. Now, what does that mean? Incense in the Bible is a symbol for prayer. It's a symbolism that, that's to describe Prayer because your prayers are like an incense that goes up to God. It's a pleasing aroma. When we worship the Lord, it's an incense, a pleasing aroma that goes up to the Lord. So you can follow me with this and think, when you're praying in your devotional time, spiritually speaking, you're filling your room with this prayer incense that you're lifting up to God. It's something you don't see, but it's something God sees. So when God is asking Israel to follow these instructions, he's painting a very important picture here that we don't want to miss. Now, fast forward to the book of Hebrews chapter 7. This is, It's time to freak out, guys. It's going to get gooder, okay? Hebrews chapter 7. The writer of Hebrews is explaining Jesus as our high priest. He's explaining how Jesus is the ultimate high priest who's never sinned, who can go in and out of the glory of God Perfectly fine, without any danger. And this is what he says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23. There were many priests under the old system, the old covenant. For death prevented them from remaining in office. They got too old. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Listen to this therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to god through him he lives forever to intercede with god on their behalf what is he saying jesus right now in heaven he's bible says he's creating a place for us he's building a place the bible says here in hebrews chapter 7 that jesus is interceding what is jesus doing he's our high priest in heaven he's praying for you and for me you see when the high priest goes and he fills that room with incense and he steps into that darkness he steps through that veil he is in the presence of the glory of god and what's surrounding him on every square inch of his body he has been enraptured with incense which is a symbol that god is trying to bury into israel's hearts and into our our hearts tonight Jesus' intercession over you enraptures you and covers you and protects you from the glory that would otherwise destroy you. You see, it's Jesus' intercession. It's Jesus' intercession. His prayers is the mist that fills the room. His prayers is the mist that that protects us from the darkness. You can be in a season of darkness, but you see, if Christ is in you, that mist of incense that His intercession over you, that is the thing that protects you from darkness. But you see, you're never going to see that unless you pass through the veil and enter that darkness. What God is telling us tonight, Alpha, what he is trying to bury in our hearts, I believe, is this. Alpha, he's saying this to Israel in the Old Testament. I need you to trust me in the dark. I need you to trust me. Though you may not feel like he's near, his intercession continues on. Jesus' prayers over you fills the room. When it feels like he is so far away. He is still with you. We need to trust God in the dark. Let's stand tonight. Alyssa's going to play. She's going to sing. lead us in a worship song. And I want to ask us tonight, I believe there's probably some people tonight that are going through seasons of darkness and you've been crying out to God. You've been wondering, Lord, it doesn't feel like you're near. Where where are you? I need your nearness, Lord. And I want to just take tonight to pray and to encourage you that regardless of what you're going through, those of you that fear the Lord, His incense enraptures you and totally swallows you up in his embrace it, and, and when you go through that darkness, when God sticks you in that tunnel and you're going through a season of darkness it's like you're in that tunnel but you see that tiny little speck of light at the end of the tunnel. I mean that's what we say, like guys there's light at the end of the tunnel Let's, we can do it, we can make it guys. But you know what you know why God puts you in there it's like we did earlier when you turn the lights off, your eyes adjust when you go through a season of darkness and then, the God, and then God turns the lights on in a moment, what happens? You're squinting again in the glory of God like we should have been all along. You see, we go through these seasons so that he can train us and mold us to trust him in the dark. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have a brief response time tonight. If that's you and you're saying, Daniel, I, I'm going through a season of darkness. I, I've prayed and I've hung out with God and I've, I've tried my my best, tried my hardest to get close to him. But it just just it just still seems like and feels like he's, he's not near, that he's far away. If you're going through that season and you you just be honest, would you raise your hand and say, Daniel, I need prayer. That's me. I'm going through a season of darkness. I need the touch of the Holy Spirit. That's me. You're raising your hands up high. I see hands all over this room. Amen. Let's put your hands down. We're gonna, What we're going to do tonight, we're going to stare at ourselves in the mirror. We're going we're gonna to take the word of God that we read tonight. We're going to, spiritually speaking, you're going to stare at your heart. You're going to stare at yourself in that figurative mirror. And you're going to say, soul of mine, hope thou in God. There is no reason to walk around depressed. When you have a savior who prays for you Guys, be encouraged tonight Jesus still reigns on his throne He still knows what you're going through He knows the season of darkness that you're enduring It feels like he's far away, but he's not And if you press forward and move forward in, in trusting God in that darkness You will make it to the end of that tunnel And you're going to be squinting again Like you were when you first met him Amen. Jesus, I ask you, Holy Spirit, tonight to fall on this place like incense. Would you enrapture us, O God, in your presence? May every square inch of our being be surrounded and immersed. May we be drowning in your presence tonight, God. I pray for every person that lifted their hand that's going through this season. Lord, I pray that you would show them that tiny speck of light at the end of the tunnel. Encourage them that there's this season of darkness that we go through that's temporary and it's not permanent. And that if we fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, you give us the strength to endure every season of life.